Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 14 of the 2022 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 2022 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And this is the second installment of the Bowl Preview Series. That's right, we're well into the bowl season. And I think there are two main themes of this bowl season to this point. COVID-19 and the opt-outs. Now with COVID-19, we thought we left that back in 2020, but it's starting to rear its head here in 2021. We have the Omicron variant, Delta variant still uh, still out there as well. And we've seen four bowl games get canceled. And I know in, in the case of uh, you know the uh, Hawaii Bowl, uh, you know with Memphis, uh, the Military Bowl with, with East Carolina, and SMU uh, and the Fenway Bowl, uh, each of those teams said, you know, their their season is complete. They're not looking for any other bowl matchups uh, to be able to, to to move forward. So unfortunately, we don't get to see the likes of of Calvin Austin there at, at Memphis. Uh, you know, Holton Eilers wanted to see what he could do there at East Carolina. Really use that as a springboard into his final season. SMU. We know that Re- uh, Reggie Roberson and Danny Gray were not going to play in the bowl game anyway. So I think that may have factored into their decision. But I would have liked to have seen you know Delano uh, Robertson and uh, also get to see you know Tanner Mordecai, you know a, a quarterback who I think is going to be flying under some radars as we springboard into the 2022 season. But we did have one th- uh, bowl game, the, the Arizona Bowl, that was canceled. Uh, when uh, Boise State ultimately wasn't able to field their team. And and when you look at the Sun Bowl, Washington State was looking for an opponent because Miami Hurricanes unfortunately had to to pull out of the bowl game as well. So we actually have a unique circumstance where we were able to pivot and now Washington State is taking on Central Michigan in the Sun Bowl. So when you look at the, the, the move there, moving from Arizona to El Paso, it does kind of work out just a little bit there, a little bit of a detour for the Chippewas, but now you're going to see Central Michigan take on Washington State, and we'll be breaking down that bowl game here in a little bit. But in terms of the opt-outs, if you are tuning in to take a look at some some first-round picks, unfortunately the bowl games are not going to be where you're going to get to see a lot of those featured matchups. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot of that in uh, obviously the uh, college football playoff. But not even the Rose Bowl was free from the opt-outs. We saw Garrett Wilson, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, Chris Olave, all deciding that they're not going to play in the Rose Bowl. And I know Kirk Herbstreit there with ESPN has already come out and said, you know, this is this is insanity. This is the Rose Bowl. Now, what are we talking about here that the Rose Bowl suddenly doesn't mean anything? Uh, so it, it's pretty wild with what's going on. Um, with, with all of the opt-outs, and we'll point those out as we go through each of these bowl matchups. But I think really what we need to do, since there are a lot of bowl games left to cover, is we just got to jump right into things. And let's start with that Cotton Bowl. Number one seeded Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the number four seed Cincinnati Bearcats. And, and I'll tell you what, this is a matchup that I really enjoy Um taking a look at really analyzing things and I think Cincinnati has a great chance against Alabama so when you look at this you know when when you're talking about things obviously they have the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young and they have a Heisman or I'm sorry a Blitnikoff award finalist in Jamison Williams on the outside no John Mechie and that's key because you have Slade Bolden you're gonna have Treshawn, uh, Treshawn Holden uh, possibly Christian Leary 
Who's really going to step up and be that number two, number three wideout? You're going to see a lot more, I think, of Jaleel Billingsley. I think Cameron Latu is going to have to make an impact, and you're going to have to see the running backs making plays out of the backfield, and that's not traditionally what Alabama really likes to do. So I think it's going to be interesting, especially if you get that matchup, the feature matchup that everyone wants to see. Jamison Williams against Ahmad Sauce Gardner. That is a matchup that we're going to be seeing at the next level. These are two bona fide first round picks. And when you're talking about Jamison Williams first off, now this is a guy, he's explosive, you know, 6'2", 189 pounds, the transfer from Ohio State. And there's no question that he was Bryce Young's favorite target, a deep threat, a and a guy that was a threat to go the distance on every single play. Uh, 68 catches, over 1,400 yards, at 21.3 yards per reception, and 15 touchdowns. Uh, this is a long-limbed receiver, a guy who uh, does a tremendous job extending for the football. He can go up and high point the ball uh, effortless, effortlessly. Um, you know, I think this is a guy who also, you know, we talk about the speed and how, how quick he is getting vertical, but this is a guy who does a great job controlling that speed. You're going to see that with, with his ability to, to change, uh, change up those speeds. You're going to see that with his double moves, his ability to stop and start. You're going to be able to see that just really with, with that pacing. And that's one of the things that I think Ahmad Gardner actually does really well uh, to counteract that. He doesn't really go for a lot of those fakes. He's not going to go for a double move. He stays right on his man. And even if his man ends up getting a step on him, he has that a veteran mentality to be able to kind of give that quick tug on a jersey uh, You know that really it's kind of almost ingenious. You see it at the next level a lot where you know, that hand, you don't see it from the official. The camera might pick it up, but the official's generally not going to be able to pick that up. Um, you know, really just a, a great job with that. Um, this is a guy who I think is so quick at the line of scrimmage that he's able to beat uh, press man coverage. And um, what, I, what I love is, is once he gets into that open field, that acceleration, you're just not going to get to him. So what Amon Gardner is going to want to do is he is going to want to get his hands on him early. He's going to want to jam him. And, and you know, really, Amon Gardner and even if Kobe Bryant is lined up against him, the Thorpe Awards winner. These are two guys who are physical corners. They like to get up and jam you. And so you're going to see these guys. You're going to see just how precise that handwork is. Are they going to be able to reroute uh, Jamison Williams? And that's where I think they're really going to be looking to, to win is right there at the line of scrimmage. I think you're going to see Jamison Williams line up all over the field, whether it's on the outside or in the slot. And, uh, you know, the yards after a catch is what's ridiculous. Once that ball is in his hands, he's so explosive. He can take a small small play and turn it into a big game because of that acceleration um you know but again I, I love his ability to extend those arms and make plays uh especially when the ball's coming over over his shoulder but i, I think some of those contested 50 50 balls again strong suits for both Ahmad gardner and kobe bryant that's where i think he's going to struggle at times you know is really that that catch point and that, that lack of overall physicality, that's where I think he's going to struggle. And if he's going up against Amon Gardner and Kobe Bryant, those are two guys that, man, they're they're going to get after it. They're going to want to get physical with you. They're going to, you know, there, there may be a couple of penalties against them. You know, they might get a little handsy at times. Uh, but I, I think that's all going to be a part of the process, really trying to slow him down. And when we talk about Amon Gardner, 6'3", 200 pounds, another, you know, long-limbed, uh, defensive back, you know, a guy who has nine interceptions, two of which he's taken for back for touchdown and 16 pass breakups in his career. Um, you know, again, physical, likes to jam that receiver, alter that that path, 
uh, you know, reroutes his guy, runs stride for stride, uh, whether it's across the field or getting vertical, very uh, quick with those hips. Um, I, I think, you know, even though he's a press man guy, I think he does really well in off coverage as well. Does a good job reading the quarterback's eyes, drives quickly on the football, doesn't get fooled easily. Um, you know, when he does use bail technique, you're going to see those eyes again in the backfield, reading the quarterback while still, you, you know, being able to play the receiver, likes to keep his arm right there on the wide, on the wide out while he's watching the quarterback as well. You're not going to see him really extend that arm at all or impede that receiver uh, just does a great job overall. So that's going to be the matchup that I'm going to be looking for. And if Jameson Williams, by chance, ends up lining up against Kobe Bryant, number seven, not number 24 or number eight. Yes, he was named after the late, great Kobe Bryant. 6'1", 191 pounds. So you're talking about two guys who are, are bigger corners. And so that's where you, you want to see James, Jameson Williams beat them off the line with the footwork and beat that that jam and if he does that then i think there's a good chance that he can run by these guys but neither one of these guys really want to give any uh, give up any ground whatsoever kobe bryant also nine interceptions in his career one of which he's taken back for touchdown 35 pass breakups in his career 11 this past season where he won the jim thorpe award fifth year senior uh just a blanket coverage on the outside what you really love are the ball skills though because he does a great job on the slants being able to trail that route, get a hand in to knock the ball away. He's going to arrive uh, driving on the football and off coverage. You're going to see him high point the football and attack the ball while it's in the air. Oftentimes he's going to run the route better than the receiver. And again, you're going to see him just attack that football. And that physicality is what's going to cause problems for Jamison Williams. So here's the thing. Bryce Young, you had John Mechie on one side and Jameson Williams on the other. Sometimes they line up on the same side. What are you gonna do now? Who are you gonna go to now? Slade Bolden has been unproven. You have Treshawn Holden, another unproven receiver. Christian Leary's also played some running back. You have Jojo Earl, another unproven receiver. I think Cameron Latu, the tight end, is going to see a lot of action uh, catching the football at the tight end position. But then I think the guy that you're really going to have to pay attention to is Jaleel Billingsley. I think he's going to end up being that X-Factor, 6'4", 230 pounds, the junior tight end uh, in, in his career, 547 yards, 15.2 yards per, ca uh, per catch, and, and six touchdowns. Only caught 16 passes this past season. And it's one of those things where he's kind of been up and down, but he's good. He's he's very good. You know, he he looks like a a, a bigger receiver out there. The the ball skills are ridiculous. The catch radius and his ability to get down the field in a hurry. Not much of a blocker, but he's not really asked to do that a ton. Uh, that's why Cameron Latu's out there. That's why you're also going to see Randolph uh, lining up as a, really another offensive lineman. Billingsley's going to be lining up a lot. You know, either on the outside or in the slot. He's going to be a, a matchup nightmare for whoever's going to be covering him. I think that's really the, the matchup that Bryce Young's going to end up looking for because Jamison Williams is going to have his handful with those corners. Now, here's the thing. Whoever is going to be covered by Javon Hicks and Arquan Bush, that's really uh, who teams have targeted. You know, that's who Houston targeted. That's who SMU targeted. Those are you know, whoever's going to be covering, you know, being covered by those two guys. That's really, I think, the matchup that you're going to be looking for because Cincinnati also has a really good safety. 
in Brian Cook. Now, I think Brian Cook, out, you know, obviously Ahmad Gardner is a first rounder. I think Kobe Bryant is that fringe first, second round. It really depends on what he's going to be running at the combine and how he shows up in the all-star games. I think Kobe's probably going to end up being a second rounder. Um, I, I think with Brian Cook, this is the guy who could find his way into round number three. I think he may end up also just being that, that fourth round pick, but definitely a guy who I think is a player. Uh, six foot, 204, 87 tackles on the year. Uh, you know, nine pass breakups as well. Uh, this is a guy who has tremendous range. He does a great job filling uh, the hole downhill against the run, lighting up running backs. You know, this is going to be a big hitter. You're going to see him, you know, whether it was against uh, UCF, Navy, SMU, he really was a guy that was showing up on tape uh, against the run, really wanting to uh, shoot those gaps, run the alley, and, and drive guys back. Um, does a great job too on the backside, staying at home. So a lot of times when you see some of the gadget plays or guys trying to reverse field, you're going to have a hard time dealing with number six because he's the guy that's going to get in, you know get in your face and he's going to cause some problems. So you know I think really the best matchup though that I'm hoping to see I think you know uh, MyJ Sanders is probably going to end up lining up over uh, over the right tackle, but I'd love to see him go up against Evan Neal who's arguably the best tackle in this draft. I, I think you know he's probably going to get drafted ahead of uh, Ekebo Kwanu, uh, who we're going to be talking about here in a minute. But uh, Evan, Evan Neal, you know, if Jacksonville wants to really take care of their investment in Trevor, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence, then you're going to see Evan Neal playing left tackle alongside Cam Robinson. I mean, you upgrade two positions with that draft pick. Evan Neal, such a fluid mover, long arms, uh, very athletic. The footwork for such a guy, you know, guy who's so big is impressive. You're going to see him, you know, easily control guys, whether it's with a long arm, driving guys down the field in the running game. Um, I, I love the power step, though, that you're going to see out of him. He has that kick slide. He's very light on his feet, but the kick slide gets good depth, beats guys to the edge. But then what you're going to see is his ability to mirror. And I think that's one of the qualities that a lot of guys are lacking is he, he keeps those hands inside. He's very precise with his hand movements. And then his ability to power step back to the inside on those secondary moves, especially with those spin moves, guys trying to do an, uh, you know, an up and under and uh, get back to the inside. And Evan Neal, you know, he doesn't, he keeps those feet nice and choppy. You're not gonna see anything really long strides or anything like that, but those hands stay right in. And he's got that power in his hands to where if you're going to be moving, he's going to jolt you and really take you off your mark. Evan Neal, you put him in there against Majay Sanders, and that's really the matchup that I'm looking forward to the most, is you get Majay Sanders, you know, a guy who you know, didn't really show up in terms of, of finishing at the quarterback, but a guy who was still living in backfields because he has an explosive burst off the ball, you know, he bends really well coming off the edge, but it's the hand usage and the length. You know, this is a guy who's 6'5", 255 pounds, really long arms. Uh, you see the hand usage, you know, his ability to, to slap and rip, uh, uses a, you know, a club move. You're going to see a, a nice arm over as well, a guy who can run, rush the passer coming off the edge. He'll also look to try to cross the face of the offensive tackle and get to the inside. You know, I really want to see what, what MyJ Sanders can do against Evan Neal. Look, you know, you saw Trayvon Walker blow up Evan Neal and drive him into the backfield. You didn't see too many guys do that. 
I'm not expecting Maje Sanders to do that per se. What I do want to see is some of that handwork and use some of that quickness to try to catch Evan Neal off guard. I think that's going to be the matchup to watch. So keep an eye on 21 Maje Sanders taking on the big left tackle out of Alabama, number 73, Evan Neal. Where to next? I mean, there's so many, so many matchups to talk about, right? So I think when you look at when Bama has the ball and they're running the football, they have to get that running game going. They struggled against Georgia, and I think there's going to be some troubles here against Cincinnati as well. Brian Robinson has to get going. Uh, I think he's going to be healthy for the game. Look, you know, this was his first opportunity to run the run the ball for the Tide. Uh, now that Najee, uh, Najee Harris is with the Steelers, and you know, a thousand yard season. Uh, 4.8 yards per carry, 14 touchdowns, are also 32 receptions on the year. So I think he is going to be a factor in the passing game here. But what I love about Brian Robinson is his ability as a pass protector. You're going to see him step up. He's going to be having to, to deal with plenty of linebackers, uh, Darian Beavers, uh, Joel DeBlanco, Ty Van Fossen, all those guys shooting gaps. You're going to have to see Brian Rob Robinson picking those blitzes up, but then Keep an eye out for the safety blitz. Brian Cook likes to come downhill. You're going to see Sauce Gardner. He's gotten a couple of sacks this year coming off the edge as a blitzing corner. Uh, so Brian Robinson, I think, is going to have his hands full trying to figure out exactly where that blitz is going to come from. But, uh, you know, he doesn't quite have the speed to the edge, uh, you know, especially on toss plays. But uh, what you're going to see is kind of a one cut and go, a little bit of wiggle on the outside. But this is a dude who's just going to want to run you over and, uh, you know, and, and show some physicality. Um, I, I do like the lateral cuts, you know, some of that short area quickness. Um, but I, I don't think he's a, you know, an explosive guy. But uh, definitely a guy who, once you get him downhill and that head of steam through the hole, dropping his pads, lowering that center of gravity, running through guys, that's really where you're going to see Brian Robinson. You know, he, he just has to get going. Uh, against Cincinnati, and I think that's where he's he's going to probably struggle. I think you're going to see you know some, uh, some some issues there against Cincinnati once again. Darian Beavers is to me the closest thing this draft has to Zayvon Collins. There's a little bit of everything. You know, he's 6'5", 255 pounds, uh, but very athletic. A guy who I think is probably going to run in the four five four six range somewhere around there. Uh, if you've seen him on Twitter, you know he's, he's throwing down dunks with ease. Uh, very athletic dude. Uh, but number zero, you know he's gonna he's gonna blitz coming off the edge. I think he's got good hands. I think he can bend very well. He's gonna shoot gaps coming downhill against the run. Sideline to sideline ability, and he can drop into coverage. So keep an eye out for number zero, you know, especially against the run. You, know, you have some of the other veteran presence there up front as well. Uh, but keep an eye out as well for, for Curtis Brooks, 92, the defensive tackle, a guy that nobody's really talking about, but I think he has a chance to get drafted late in this draft. Um, you know, seven and a half sacks on the year, 12 and a half tackles for loss, a guy who does a really good job um, getting off blocks in, in the middle. He's very quick off, off the ball, shows some good power in his hands, does a good job stacking his man, shedding him, and getting to the ball carrier. So Curtis Brooks is going to be possibly that X factor up front. Can you get a body on him? Can you block him and contain him? And uh, you know, really what I'm seeing is if they can handle the run, if they can take out Brian Robinson and really force Bryce Young to beat you with his arm, and then if they can handle Jamison Williams, force Alabama to use other weapons, no John Mechie, 
you know, you're, you're really asking for a lot of young guys to step up and step up big. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator, a lot of pressure on Bryce Young as well to create. You've got some opportunistic defenders there on the back end. It might be a long day for Bama if Cincinnati can get things going. Now you flip you know, the, the flip side when Cincinnati has the football. Desmond Ritter, the veteran presence there. Feels like he's been at Cincinnati forever. Um, you know, he's a 62% you know, completion percentage, over 10,000 yards in his career, 87 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. Cut down on, on the interceptions this year, which you know I'm, I'm glad that he was finally able to do. 30 touchdowns, just eight interceptions there. This is a guy who I think has improved his accuracy overall. He still gets a little skittish up front and wants to, uh, you know, he, he really does a, sales, his, sales a lot of his passes. He needs to kind of tone that down a little bit um, at, at the beginning. I know he gets really amped up, but you know, he, he shows poise in the pocket, does a really good job manipulating that pocket. I think he, pull, you know, he pulls the ball a little bit too much and, and takes off. Did that a lot more, uh, you know, early on in his career. I think he does a, lot, a better job of hanging in the pocket, showing more patience, allowing his receivers to either uncover or he's going to go ahead and, and throw his receiver open and make some plays down the field. He has really good arm strength. Um, you know, don't let anyone fool you. This is a guy who can make all the throws. He can make those throws to the wide side, outside the numbers. Um, you know, not only can he throw the ball between between the hashes, but he can also push the ball down the field on the sideline. Watch him throwing the football to his receiver, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce is a guy who is finally healthy, and he's 6'3", 210 pounds, 50 catches, uh, 867 yards, 8 touchdowns. This guy was just known as a vertical threat. And I think he still runs a limited route tree, but not only is he a guy that's going to beat you off the line, and very difficult to cover because he, he is so quick, uses a lot of different uh, releases coming off the line, but then you're going to see him high point the football and use these really strong hands to, to go come down with the football. The body control is ridiculous, does a really good job contorting his body to come down with the football. I really like Alec Pierce out there, and I think where you know Christian Harris, the linebacker there at Alabama, a lot of people love Christian Harris. I think he's great against the run. I think you're going to see him play sideline to sideline. You're going to see him shoot gaps, get into the backfield, make plays. Um, but I think he struggles in coverage, and I think where he's going to going to really run into some trouble is having to cover Josh Wiley. Uh, the tight end there for Cincinnati, 6'6", 245. He was a leading receiver for Cincinnati last year when Alec Pierce went down to injury. Didn't really see a ton of passes his way early on in the season, but really came on down the stretch. You know, a guy who I think is pretty athletic. He can get vertical. You see him run the routes a little bit. Uh, ran a skinny post against Navy that I thought was really nice. Um, came in motion into the slot. Gets vertical down the seam and, uh, you know, a guy who can run those crossing routes really well, uses that big frame, and what I really like is his ability to block. I think that's going to come in handy against this Bama defense. You're going to have to see him out there as a blocker on the edge. Keep an eye on both him and Leonard Taylor, another tight end who I think has a future at the NFL NFL level. Henry Tooto, the transfer from Tennessee, is another guy. I think he's actually a better linebacker overall than, than Christian Harris because I think he can drop a little bit better in coverage. I think he's a lot quicker. I think you know you see him reacting a little bit quicker as well. Uh, excellent with with his wrap up ability. Um, you know he, he's 6'2", 228 pounds, um, 100 tackles so far on the year. 
Uh, seven and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, so he can get after the quarterback as well. You're going to have to keep an eye out for number 10 um, there in that running game. Another guy you're going to have to watch out if you're Cincinnati is Fidari uh, Mathis. I think this guy absolutely made money this season. 6'4", 312 pounds. Another guy who I felt like had been at Bama for a long time, but mostly in a reserve role. This was his year for, for breaking out. Eight sacks on the year. 48 just seems to explode off the ball. You see really quick hands, quick slap, arm over, flatting. You know, he, he does a good job flattening out. You know, when you watch him play, he reminds me a little bit of Jonathan Allen. Uh, you know, with, with Fidarian Mathis, he's a guy who I think is going to be a day two pick, but a guy who I think is going to work his way into the rotation early and end up being a starter at the next level. I, I just love the speed to power, his ability to drive his guy back into the backfield. And that's where I think you can see some of that success is if he ends up lining up against one of the tight ends, whether it's Wiley or Taylor, I think Mathis is gonna win that all day long. Cincinnati's offensive line, they're, they're big, they're physical, you know, not really anybody that is on uh, NFL radars to the degree that Alabama's is, but they're, they, they work really well together. And it's gonna be critical to get Jerome Ford going early. And I think that's really the key. Desmond Ritter, you want to see him with that passing game, but if Jerome Ford is running the football, then Desmond Ritter doesn't have to throw the ball 30, 40 times. If he does, then I think Cincinnati's in trouble. Jerome Ford is legit. And this is a guy who transferred from Bama to Cincinnati prior to the 2020 season, so he's going up against his former club. And uh, you know, 5'11", 220 pounds, over 1,200 yards on the ground, 6.2 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns, and 18 receptions as well. So good hands coming out of the backfield, runs really nice routes, but uh, it's the explosiveness. You, know, you see the lateral cuts to get to the hole, you know, so excellent vision, but uh, then once he gets to daylight, he has that acceleration and can take off. Um, you know, very patient runner, and that's the thing that I think is so critical is if you allow him, you know, allow those cutback lanes to develop, then you're gonna see Ford put his foot in the ground, and once he accelerates and gets to the second level, I think that's really where Bama struggles. I've got secondary struggles at times, especially with tackling, and that's one of the things that I think with Harris and Toto, they can be overly aggressive at times, shooting their gaps, and I think that's one of the things to where Ford might be able to exploit that. I think Cincinnati has a great chance in this game. It's going to be really interesting, and uh, I think there are a lot of matchups that actually favor Cincinnati, but again, it's Alabama. And you feel like we've been here before, and it's the first group of five team in the college football playoff. But I really think Cincinnati has a great chance, not only in this game, but also in the national title game, if they were to defeat the Crimson Tide, whether it's against Michigan or Georgia, the winner of the Orange Bowl. And I think when you transition to that game, you look at Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson, a, a force, for the Wolverines, Heisman Trophy finalist, and look, you know, 6'6", 261 pounds, he came back to Michigan, you know, for this, to beat Ohio State and for the, the college football playoff, he's here, and what you really saw, whether it was against Ohio State, whether it was against Iowa, or just really anyone else that they played, you saw the passion with which he played, you saw the, the speed, the power, that was impressive. There are a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of the draft community that, that are talking about Aiden Hutchinson just not having the power that a lot of guys um, are, are talking him up to have. I don't know, I've seen him drive guys back. And, and a lot of times they're talking about, well, that offensive lineman 
Um, it was just bad technique. It was bad form, bad footwork. So you're, what you're telling me is, is that every single one of those reps, it was the offensive lineman's fault, not Aiden Hutchinson that actually created that. So either he got into the heads of all these offensive linemen, and all these offensive linemen just had poor footwork, or Aiden Hutchinson is just really that damn good. And I think it's more of the latter than the former. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, 14 sacks on the year, a guy who's just going to get into the backfield and just be a terror. He's going to uh, um, light you up. And even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, you know, and, and bring him down, he, he's going to pressure him. He's going to be in in uh, in the face of, of C.J. Stroud. And he's just, he's going to beat you up. You know, on the other side, you've got David Ojabo, and you know, another guy who double-digit sack guy. Um, and when you talk about traits, I think Ojabo with the speed, you know, you think of Odafe Owe or Jason Owe at Penn State. Um, and you look at Ojabo, they went to the same high school and, uh, you know, similar in size, you know, 6'5", 250. You're going to see them run, you know, pretty similar and, you know, the explosiveness. What I love, though, about Hutchinson, you know, you have that, that length. He's going to run really well. He's going to test really well. Uh, you know, Bruce Feldman uh, had him among their, you know, his freaks, you know, the freak list. I think Hutchinson has a great shot at being the number one overall pick. I think Ojabo isn't going to get out of the top 15 picks. I think depending on who's sitting there in that 10 to 15 range is really where Ojabo is going to end up going. Um, you know, but I don't see him getting past 15 at all. Um, and, and I think both of those guys, whether it's Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels, if JT Daniels clears uh, the COVID protocols, um, you know, I think he's going to just really make their – both of those guys are going to make the Georgia quarterback slides miserable – uh, and really, I think what George is going to have to do is they're going to have to run the football. You're going to see Zamir White, really more of a one-cut-and-go type of a runner. My favorite guy in you know George's backfield is James Cook. And what I love about James Cook is he's such an explosive athlete, a guy who has tremendous hands coming out of the backfield. He loves to, uh, you know, on a wheel route, on those angle routes, and then that explosiveness. He's a guy who's going to get to the outside, and he's going to look to try to make you miss in the open field. Michigan has done a great job with their tackling this year, and that's something that is really going to be key going up against a guy like James Cook. Here's the other thing. Aiden Hutchinson and uh, David Ojabo, they're going to have to deal with uh, Jamari Sawyer, the, the offensive tackle there, the left tackle for Georgia. He's big, he's physical, he's nasty. He's going to want to sit there and maul you and beat you up. I think you're going to see, you know, if you try to out-muscle him, that's where you're going to get into trouble. But I think if Aiden is going to be using some of his speed to power, I think with, with Ojabo just using the straight speed coming off the edge, I think that's where they're going to have, take advantage of Sawyer's lack of overall mobility. Really, I think Sawyer's going to be a guard at the next level. I have him in my top five at the guard position, though, because I think he is a guy who belongs on the inside and could end up you know, being you know, a starter at the next level early on in his career. Justin Schaefer. Another guy playing right next to him, that left guard. I think that's really where you're going to see the strength for, for Georgia. They're going to want to run off that left side. Justin Schaefer, another guy who's big, he's physical. You know, a guy who does actually a pretty good job picking up those linebackers on some of the blitzes. You know, I think he'll pass off some of the, the defensive tackles to be able to pick up the linebackers. I think that's something that you're going to see there out of Justin Schaefer. Um, I think that's what's going to make things interesting. And Georgia's throwing the football. You know, I think you're going to have Daxon Hill, uh, one of the top safeties in the draft. Um, you know, six foot, 192 pounds, a guy who can play in the slot. Um, I think he, he has the range to play deep 
and you don't have to play in the box. So the versatility, I think, is going to really make uh, NFL teams salivate over Daxton Hill. I think he's going to run well at the combine. He's going to show some fluidity in his hips as well, which you want to see out of a safety. Um, and then keep an eye on Josh Ross, the linebacker underneath. A guy who loves to play downhill against the run. Um, I, I thought he did a great job, you know, slipping the blocks of, of Tyler Linderbaum and, and making plays. Um, I'm Tyler Goodson, the running back against Iowa in the Big 12 Championship. I'm sorry, Big 10 Championship. Um, but Josh Ross also has that ability underneath throws, really reacting quickly, driving on the ball, not allowing any yards off the catch. I think that's going to be critical because Georgia trying to get some of those throws to those running backs, to those tight ends. Block Bowers is going to be a matchup nightmare. I think what you're going to see is Daxon Hill taking on Block Bowers. I think early on, Block Bowers is probably going to take that, uh, win that uh, you know, nine times out of ten. But uh, you know, I think if Daxton Hill can find a way to shut down Block Bowers and that athleticism at tight end, that freshman phenom, then I think you know you're going to see good things happen for uh, for Michigan for sure. George Pickens on the outside, he's you know he's working his way back to health. You know he's a big physical receiver, guy who makes plays on the outside. I think you know with, with Michigan. You know, the corners, they're not, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're quite as tested um, on the outside at times. Um, so I think, you know, what you're going to see is that big physical receiver. Look, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, they're not the big physical receiver that George Pickens is. It's going to be a much different matchup for them. So I think that's really where um, you know, if Georgia is going to win down the field, Brock Bowers, George Pickens, and then the 6'7 tight end in, uh, in Darnell Washington. You know, Michigan has the football. I think Hassan Haskins running the ball. Uh, you know, 6'1", 223 pounds, very physical. He's going to look to to get things going. And, and that's really going to be where I think Georgia is going to take advantage. I, I think ultimately, you know, what you're going to have to see is, is Michigan's defense causing problems for, for Georgia offensively. Because Georgia, you know, what, what really, you know, if you had an explosive passing attack, you might be able to exploit Georgia on the back end. I think that's where Georgia struggles at times, but that front seven is about as good as anyone. You know, Jordan Davis, 6'6", 360, the big Merrick and uh, Allen Trophy Award winner. A guy who just bench presses his man and then shows incredible quickness to shoot into the backfield. A guy who's going to show incredible range as well. He's going to chase guys all the way to the sideline. Um, what you really want to try to do is play up tempo and keep him on the field, not allow him to sub out, and then he's going to wear down as, as the game goes on. We saw that against Bama at times. And uh, but if you allow him to do what he wants to do, then it can be a game record, much like John Henderson there from, uh, from Tennessee, went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know Dexter Lawrence, you know Dontari Poe, uh, you know a lot of those bigger guys. Um, but his running mate Devontae Wyatt is just as good. Um, you know six two, three hundred eighteen pounds. Uh, you know, doesn't have quite the length you know, with his arms, but you're going to see an excellent motor, a guy who's going to look to shoot gaps and make plays into the backfield, a relentless motor as well. Um, Nicobe Dean, the Buckus Award winner, best blitzing linebacker in the game. You're going to see him shoot gaps, get downhill, you know, really make things difficult for, uh, you know, Cade McNamara, the quarterback. Um, you know, you're going to see, um, you know, Darion Kendrick, the, the corner, he's probably going to get matched up against uh, you know, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson. Uh, you know, Darion Kendrick, the, the Clemson transfer, this is a guy who, 
I thought struggled early on, but as the season went on, Kendrick is you know continuing to play better and better. Uh, what you're going to see is, is his ability to to drive on the football, attack the football in the air. Uh, the biggest thing is, is if he's playing it off coverage, just take advantage of, you know, of what he's giving you. Um, and you know, a lot of those throws to the inside and uh, be able to pick him apart that way. Because if you're just trying to push the football down the field, you're going to run into some problems. Uh, I mentioned Trayvon Walker earlier, 44, 6'5", 275, the junior. Um, incredible power. You know, I think you see the power in his hands. You see the quickness off the football. And look, you know, this off, this defensive line is going up against a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. And that's really where you want to see that matchup. These big defensive linemen, that you know, the, the three-man front, and those linebackers with a lot of speed going up against the physicality of that offensive line. That's really you know the matchup that everyone's going to be paying to see. You know, the linebackers coming off the edge, whether it's Nolan Smith, you know, blitzing uh, coming off the edge there, 6'3", 245. You know, Quay Walker, you know, another rangy uh, linebacker, 6'3", 235. The guy who fills holes downhill, uh, sideline to sideline player. And then Channing Tindall, uh, 6'2", 230. You know, this is a guy who's uh, he likes to chase plays down. He chase plays down from behind. Uh, all these guys have nonstop motors. So Michigan is going to have to figure out a way to beat these guys up and really you know, play with tempo, keep these guys on the field, wear them down, because if you allow these guys to sub in and sub out, uh, you know, they're going to rotate guys like Jalen Carter, uh, you know, I think Georgia goes about eight, nine guys deep. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, I, I think Michigan has a great shot in this game. Um, you know, I think ultimately if they can keep that ball, um, I think Michigan has a chance. You know, I think Georgia's offense, you know, they have enough weapons there against Michigan to where I, I think they could do just enough to win. Um, but you saw what Michigan did against Ohio State. They're going to beat you up. They're going to wear you down. And I think at the end of the day, Michigan's going to end up coming away with a win. So we finished the college football playoff semifinals. But we still have some New Year's Six Bowls that we really have to get through. And when you're talking about the Peach Bowl, you got Pittsburgh, uh, you know, without Kenny Pickett. You know, there's the first big name that's decided to opt out. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at Pittsburgh, who do you have? Well, Keaton Slovis, the transfer from USC, is going to be the quarterback of the future for them, uh, at least in 2022. You've got the Blitnikoff Award winner in Jordan Addison, so I think you'll be spoiled there. You're going to see a, a receiver who is just so smooth. You know, he, he plays bigger than he is. Uh, a guy who's only six foot, 175 pounds, only a sophomore, but a dude who just wins at the point of attack. Uh, you're going to see another sophomore in the backfield, Israel Abanaconda. Um, you know, a guy who has really nice lateral agility and his ability to bounce it to the outside. Not really a game breaker in terms of the speed, uh, but a guy that, again, I, lo I love that. You know, he's quicker than he is fast, so a guy that's going to make some plays there. Uh, one guy who I think who has a decision to make is the linebacker, Servassier Dennis. He's 6'1", 230 pounds, very active, high motor, a guy who plays sideline to sideline. He does a really good job shooting gaps coming downhill, does a good job stack, stacking and, and, and shedding blocks, also scrapes over the top to get to the outside, make plays against the run. Uh, Kalijah Cansey, uh, a redshirt sophomore, defensive tackle. He's undersized, 6'275", but a guy who's very quick. He's shooting gaps again, coming off the ball. Really good on the stunts as well. Um, you're going to see him take on Michigan State. No Kenneth Walker, the third. So you, you really get, to, you know, 
two guys that finished in the top 10 in the Heisman voting, and you're not going to get to see either one. So it's, it's kind of a downer there with the Peach Bowl. Um, but again, what you'll see there with Michigan State, I think defensively, Xavier Henderson, the safety, uh, six foot two oh five, uh, really the veteran leader there on the defense. Uh, you know, uh, you know, over I think just under thirty consecutive starts there for Sparty. Uh, but one of the guys that I think to me is really intriguing is Connor Hayward. He's five eleven two thirty four. Um, you know, was a running back by trade, but now he's more of a tight end H back type of a guy. You'll see him catch some footballs out of the backfield. You'll see him again line up all over the field. Kind of be a little bit of a mismatch nightmare uh, at, at times. Over 40 games played in his career. Jalen Naylor on the outside, the junior receiver. I think he'll come back for one more year, but he's one of those explosive playmakers on the outside. Uh, you know, Quavaris Crouch, the linebacker. Be interesting to see if he plays the Tennessee transfer. Uh, he has one more year. I think looking at this linebacker uh, class, I think Crouch comes back for another there, year there at Michigan State. We've seen some grad transfer come into uh, East Lansing there with Mel Tucker. I think Quavaris Crouch sticks around. Um, at the end of the day with this matchup, I think that Pittsburgh ends up coming away with the win. I think they just have a little bit too much there offensively. Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame, no, uh, Kyle ha uh, Hamilton, the safety, a guy who I think is going to be a top 10 pick, possibly top five. He's not getting out of the top 10. There's no way of that. Uh, and then Kyron Williams, a guy who I think could end up sneaking his way into the end of round one, more than likely going to be a, a day two pick, um, explosive uh, running back, a guy who runs with such contact balance, it's it's unreal. Excellent hands coming out of the backfield, but you're still going to see some nice matchups here. You're going to see uh, Jarrett Patterson, the center there for Notre Dame. I think he's the number two center in the in this draft class. Uh, 6'4", 307. Some people don't have him coming off the board until the sixth round. I think this is a guy who has a chance to be a day two pick, probably end up being a fourth rounder. Um, when it's all said and done, but he's my number two center. I think this is a guy who has excellent grip strength. That's one of the things that you see. He latches onto that defensive tackle, locks out those arms in pass protection, sits down with that excellent leverage, and he just holds that point of attack so well. Does a really good job being able to angle his man and really get him to move wherever he needs him to be uh, to open up some of those holes for the running back. And then Isaiah Foskey, the defensive end there on the defensive side of the football, 6'5", 260 pounds, a guy who was just so explosive coming off the edge. I think he really changed the momentum of the game in the third quarter uh, against Cincinnati. Down 17 to nothing, came off the edge, ran right around the right tackle, speed rush, um, ultimately flattened out, got to, to Desmond Ritter with a sack fumble, uh, recovered the, uh, by Notre Dame, and uh, you know Drew White returned it for a big return, really sparked things for Notre Dame. We know that Notre Dame lost that game, obviously, because Cincinnati's still undefeated, but big play, momentum changers. He's the guy to keep an eye on on the defensive side of the football there for Notre Dame. They're playing against Oklahoma State, and this is a game where I think you know Oklahoma State, they have to have Jalen Warren if they want to do anything. You saw that against Baylor. They really struggled to really get anything going in the running game. Um, I think at the end of the day, you need to have your best offensive weapon, uh, 5'8", 215 pounds, a guy who's just so physical between the tackles, um, you know, a guy who I don't think yet has that you know, real explosive speed, you know, but he's definitely a slasher as a runner, uh, really good in, in, in uh, blitz protection there in the passing game. 
I think Spencer Sanders has to have, play mistake-free football if they want to win. And I think he, his go-to target is going to be Tay Martin, uh, 6'1", 183-pounder. Uh, the transfer from Washington State has been his go-to weapon. The guy who gets deep, um, you know, does a great job attacking the football when it's in the air, settles down well into zones. Um, I, I think he uses his length to his advantage, good body control. Defensively, you're going to see Malcolm Rodriguez, an undersized linebacker that doesn't really get a whole lot of hype. A guy who's a converted safety, 5'10", 227 pounds. I think he's a guy, he may not get drafted, but I think he ends up making an NFL roster and you're going to actually see him making some plays at the next level just because I love the instincts. Um, you know, He plays that linebacker position as a safety and so you see him all over the field. Um, and then I think you know, rushing the passer, Tyler Lacey, really needs to get going. He's 6'4", 295 pounds. He's the bigger uh, defensive end. And you want to see him get to the quarterback early and often. Really get Jack Cohn off of his mark. That's going to be critical there for Oklahoma State. But I think Notre Dame comes away with the win. Rose Bowl, I mentioned Ohio State's going to be down. Some of their, their big skill position guys. I think you're going to see Travion Henderson um, running the ball a lot there up front. Uh, you know, uh, without... The likes of Nicholas Petit Ferrer. I think you're going to see Bayer Mungford move to left tackle. We saw what happened with Aiden Hutchinson blowing him up off the line. Utah, very physical. I think Utah ends up coming away with the win on this. I really do. Uh, they got Cameron Rising, the, the quarterback. He's only a junior. A lot of people really love watching him play. They got Tavion Thomas, the physical, physical sophomore running back. He's a big kid. Um, you know, and, and going up against that, uh, that, that defensive line there for. Ohio State. I think you look at Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith. A couple of guys that just really have been underwhelming this year. Um, you'll see its flashes at times. You'll see them uh, be able to use their hands a little bit and be able to bend coming off the edge. But it's really if they get going, if they get that speed that, that you know and the, the speed rush, use their hands and be able to bend and turn the corner, then they're actually able to make some plays. But here's the problem. You don't see that enough. You don't see that, you know, the motor runs hot and cold. You'll see them if they, the hands of that offensive lineman gets underneath them and underneath that pad level, they lose leverage way too easily. And once that happens, they're neutralized. They aren't showing the secondary moves. They're not able to spin back to the inside. They're not able to get off blocks. I think that's going to be critical here in this game because I think ultimately what you're going to see is Utah just get physical with them up front. Haskell Garrett, another guy who's sitting out the game. Um, you know, really CJ Stroud to Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba is really going to be your best bet there throwing the football. And then Jeremy Rucker, the tight end guy who I think has a, has a great shot to be a, a third round tight end, 6'5", 252 pounds, excellent hands, a guy who has tremendous body control as well. I think Utah right now, Devin Lloyd, the Buckus Award finalist, is still playing. I haven't heard any news that he's not playing. 6'3", 235 pounds. This is a guy who is so versatile. You, you just love watching him play. Um, you know, whether it's you know that sideline to sideline ability, you know, the speed. With, with, with which he plays. He just kind of runs at a different level. And the instincts are off the charts. His ability to drop into coverage. You see excellent hands. He's going to put his hand in the dirt on some third down and rush the passer coming off the edge. So not just the guy who needs to play in space, but a guy who's going to put his hand in the dirt. How many inside linebackers do you see doing that? This guy is a stud. I think he actually gets drafted ahead of N'Kobe Dean, the Buckus Award winner, I think Devin Lloyd is going to be a guy who's going to be playing that linebacker position for a long time. And we're going to be talking about him as a Pro Bowl linebacker when it's all said and done. 
Uh, so you're going to see him against Travion Henderson all game long. I think you're going to see just enough of Utah uh, to end up winning the game. Keep an eye on Mika Tafua. He's only a junior, uh, 6'3", 250 pounds. He, he, he's not the fastest by any means, not very explosive, but he he's, has tremendous power and a nonstop motor. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to continue to pressure C.J. Stroud, and you're going to see uh, Devin Lloyd as well uh, in the backfield. I think Utah comes away with the win. Sugar Bowl, Baylor. It's going to be all about the, the linebacker and safety play. Jarrell Bernard, 6'1", 222 pounds. He's healthy this year. And this is another guy who's very versatile. He's one of the better linebackers in this draft class. The guy, to me, who should be a day two pick. There's a lot of people have him coming off the board day three. It's really going to come down to the red, uh, you know, the, the red flags with the injuries. If the injuries check out, he's a day two pick all day long. Very versatile. New age linebacker. A guy who has the range in, uh, in coverage. I think he has fluidity with those hips. A guy who can play sideline to sideline can come down into the box and be a terror against the run as well. And then Jalen Petrie, look, six foot, 197 pounds. I think he does well on the back end, but really what you're gonna see is him in the box. A guy who's gonna be uh, flying like a heat-seeking missile, coming, making plays on anything that's thrown in front of him, run plays as well. The biggest thing that he needs to control is that aggressiveness because he does get out of control at times. He takes himself out of plays um, and, you know, a lot of times he'll miss tackles as a result as well. Uh, so I think he needs to kind of slow slow things down just a little bit. But I think both uh, Bernard and Peachy, you know, are two guys to really keep an eye on in this game. Um, you know, they're taking on Mississippi and Matt Corral was one guy who stood up and said, I will be playing in this bowl game. And look, Matt Corral, look, you know, he, he's... He's not on par with some of our other quarterbacks that we've had in past draft classes, but I think he and Kenny Pickett are one and one A and one B in terms of our quarterbacks. And I've always said all along that this was a guy if he just would be a little bit more consistent. And we saw a couple of games last year where he just the accuracy, the decision making, just wasn't there. This year he put it all together. You see him as more of a leader. He has the arm strength to make all the throws. A guy who can make plays off platform. You, know, you see him not really lose any uh, accuracy on the move. Uh, a guy who also is going to tuck it and run. A guy who's going to be a playmaker um, when he escapes the pocket. Uh, to me, Matt Corral is going to be a lot of fun. I think he's going to be worth the price of the admission uh, alone. I think he's going to make things difficult for Baylor. I think ultimately uh, Mississippi ends up winning the game. Keep an eye on Jerry Ely, the running back there for Mississippi. Uh, a guy who's battled some injuries. Hasn't had the year that he's really wanted. I would expect Ely to actually come back for one more year there at Ole Miss uh, to hopefully improve his draft stock. But Ontario Drummond is going to be... Matt Corral's favorite target on the outside, 6'1", 220. Very physical runner. You know, this is a guy who I think can get vertical at times, but really where he makes his money is as that, phys you know, that physicality, especially after the catch. One of the more physical runners. Uh, Nick Broker, the, the, right, uh, the left tackle there for Mississippi, a guy who I think is ultimately going to end up being uh, a guard. He's going to kick inside, but uh, definitely a, a very intelligent blocker. Um, you know, a guy who plays with tremendous angles. Um, you're going to see him with his hands and uh, you know, plays with excellent leverage as well. Um, and then Sam Williams, you know, a guy, you know, there are going to be some off-field issues that you're going to have to check out with him. But uh, 6'3", 256, one of the more explosive guys coming off the edge. Um, you're going to see him use his speed to win to the inside, um, especially when an offensive lineman oversets. 
Uh, I thought, you know, he did a, had a really nice up and under uh, against Charles Cross in the Egg Bowl. Um, uses that jab to the outside, and then his crossover set. Uses that speed back to the inside, crosses the face, runs right by him, forced a hold there by Charles Cross. Started again to the outside, worked back to the inside. Uses his hands to work off the block to get to the quarterback again. Um, this is a guy you know against Kenyon Green. You know fights over the top of Kenyon Green's block to get to the inside. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I look with Sam Williams. He played against some of the best offensive linemen in the SEC, and he played really well. Has a lot of really good tape out there. The explosiveness, the speed, the power. Um, you know, excellent handwork. He's a guy to me that's going to be a, a day two pick. But we're going to be talking about Sam Williams as a steal when it's all said and done. I think he's going to be in the backfield, really wreaking havoc there for Baylor uh, or against Baylor. Chance Campbell, another guy there from uh, Mississippi, uh, the transfer. Uh, from Maryland, uh, 6'4", sorry, 6'2", 240 pounds, a guy who's going to, you know, shoot gaps, plays well uh, laterally as well, scrapes over the top, making plays on the outside, a guy who can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. I think Mississippi, like I said, going away with this one. So now we're going to take a look at the games starting on December 28th and work our way quickly through the remainder uh, of the, the bowl season. Here, and first we're talking about the Birmingham Bowl, Houston taking on Auburn. For Houston, you've got big Logan Hall, 6'6", 275, double-digit sack guy, a guy who can definitely collapse the pocket from the inside. Um, what I really love too, though, is he gets up the field and you're gonna see the change of direction uh, to end up you know, chasing down guys, you know, especially when you're gonna see uh, quarterbacks trying to escape the pocket. You're gonna see a guy who can plant and drive and get back to the outside. Um, I, I think he uses his long arm to uh, great success. You can see excellent hand usage, a guy who's gonna try to you know go up and under uh, offensive linemen as well. I think it's gonna be interesting going up against Auburn. Look, you know, with, with, with Auburn, you're not gonna see Zacoby uh, McLean. He's gonna be out. You're also gonna be missing Roger McCreary on the outside, but you are gonna see Smoke Monday, the free safety, 6'3", 199 pounds, the center fielder patrolling and roaming around in space. Uh, this is a dude who's gonna to look to, to take your head off as well. Uh, excellent uh, open field tackler, you know, and uh, a guy who's gonna play uh, downhill in a hurry at the line of scrimmage against the run. End of the day in this one, you know, I think Houston, you know, Clayton Toons, one of those underrated quarterbacks that we'll be talking about in next year's draft. I think Houston ends up pulling up the upset there against Brian Harson's Tigers. First responder bowl, that's Air Force taking on Louisville Air Force. They've got Jordan Jackson, the defensive lineman, a guy that I think can make some plays in the backfield uh, against Malik Cunningham. We know that Malik Cunningham is coming back for one more year. Uh, he was 11 and 14 as a starter coming into the season. Uh, a guy who needs to just cut down on the mistakes. He's very athletic as a passer. You want to see him uh, improve some of the accuracy as well. Uh, but definitely a guy who is talented on the outside there. I think Scott Satterfield's team is going to be looking for a win there. Um, at the end of the day, though, I just think Air Force has a little bit too much in terms of, of that running game. Um, the defense is very underrated as well, led by Jackson. I think you're going to see Air Force take out Louisville in that game. Next bowl up after that is obviously Mike Leach taking on his former team, Texas Tech, in the Liberty Bowl. Mississippi State, they're going to be without Charles Cross. You know, a, a fabulous tackle, going to be... Uh, 
you know, a top 10 pick in my book. I think he'll probably end up being the third tackle taken behind Ekwonu and uh, Evan Neal, but definitely a guy who he's just such a natural pass protector. He may be the best pass overall pass protector in this year's draft. Uh, you know, but you know, you are going to see Martin Emerson there on the outside, a physical corner, 6'2", 200 pounds, excellent ball skills. Would have loved to have seen him take on Eric Azukama, the, the uh, wide receiver there for Texas Tech, but he's also sitting out. What I love about it, uh, Azukama, was just, you know, the, the body control, uh, the, the length that he uses to his advantage, his ability to, to get down the field in a hurry. Um, he's one of the more underrated receivers that people really don't talk about, so I would have loved to have seen that matchup. Um, I think with the Red Raiders, what you're going to see is, is Sir Roderick Thompson uh, battling some injuries, a three-time captain, a guy who I think you know, he's only, a, I think, a junior, so he can come back for one more year, 6'1", 215 pounds. You know, I, I think he goes undrafted if he does come out into this year's draft. Um, you know, he, he has some flashes. It's just injuries are really a big concern. Tyree Wilson on the defensive side, 6'6", 275. He's also a junior. Uh, Texas A&M transfer could decide to enter the draft. He's explosive coming off the edge, excellent size, good length. Uh, but I think it's going to be about Will Rogers throwing the football there, Mike Leach's offense, the guy that we'll be talking about in next year's draft for sure. Holiday Bowl, you got NC State taking on UCLA. And when you talk about NC State, obviously we're talking about Ikem Ekwonu, big number 79, 6'4", 320 pounds. And here's the thing with Ekwonu. I, I think... The success of Rashawn Slater, you know, when you look at the, the, the size there and you're talking about, well, is he an, uh, an offensive tackle at the next level or is he not? I, I think with Rashawn Slater, Rashawn Slater proved that the lack of overall ideal size is underrated. He can absolutely play left tackle, arguably the best tackle in the game in the 2021 season. I think uh, with Equoni, what you've got is a guy who's just so physical, over six, 60 pancake blocks. Uh, the physicality is really what pops off the charts. You're going to see him in the ground game just generating movement. Uh, he'll, he'll get nasty and physical. But, you know, what's impressive is, you know, you know the pass protection. He sets up so well, very light on his feet, excellent punch in his hands. I think it's one of the things that you definitely see. He plays well with leverage. Uh, you know, you're going to see him take his hand and drive the, the defensive end to the inside off the ball. He's not going to allow him to, to get to the outside. Uh, you know, he's, he's explosive. He's athletic in the running game. He's athletic to, to end up picking up the reach blocks, getting those hips around, sailing off his defender. Uh, you know, a, a guy who I think mirrors defensive ends very well, uh, very well, light on his feet. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You'll see him take on Mitchell Agude uh, on the outside there for UCLA. Agude battled some injuries, but definitely an underrated player himself. Um, there on the outside, 6'4", 245, you know, a guy who, uh, you know, he, he makes a lot of plays. He makes a lot of plays in the backfield as well, uh, somebody to, to definitely keep an eye out for. Um, yeah, you're going to see him in the four-point stance, looks to get low, fire off blocks, uses his hands well to stack and shed and, uh, and to get into opposing backfields. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch for sure. Um, when, when NC State has the football, you're going to see the, the dynamic duo of Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person. 
I honestly would like to see both of these guys come back for one more year. I think with Knight, um, you know, he's a redshirt sophomore, so a, a guy who can obviously come back for one more year. He over 2,200 yards on the ground in his career, 753 yards this past season, 21 receptions. So he has back-to-back 20 reception seasons. Um, he's really the, the physical guy. You're going to see the, you know, excellent burst to the hole going off tackle. You're going to see some of those cuts to the inside. Then he'll, uh, you know, really make those over-pursuing defensive backs miss and get to the to the next level. Not really that that explosiveness, but definitely you're going to see somebody with, with that lower body strength and uh, somebody who uses that contact balance. Ricky Person, another guy who I think is not overly explosive, but uh, runs with that forward lean. Um, get, he's one of those guys that you don't really see, uh, you know, being knocked back very often. Emeka Emezi, the, the, the receiver, look, you know, you talk about Jacoby Myers and what he's done at the next level for uh, the New England Patriots. I look at Emezi in a similar way. He's 6'2", 218 pounds. Uh, you know, a guy who, even this past season, had the most receptions in his career at 60, 802 yards. That's just 13.4 yards per reception, but he was so reliable. Reliable hands, solid possession receiver, just knows how to get open, excellent route runner, uses that big frame to his advantage. Reminds me a lot of Jacoby Myers, who also came out of NC State. May not get drafted. Jacoby Myers wasn't drafted, and you see what he's doing. So I, I think he'll be okay there at the next level. Uh, Grant Gibson, and we talk about Garrett Bradbury. I think Grant Gibson's another guy. Not quite as uh, adept at that uh, reach block uh, as Garrett Bradbury, but what you are going to see is a guy who's playing with excellent leverage, able to anchor there at the pivot, plays with the mean streak, likes to get physical, going to try to drive you into the ground whenever possible. Um, I think for UCLA, um, offensively, if, if DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback, um, you know, wants to get things going, he's going to look for Red Dulcich, the tight end, 6'4", 242 pounds, gets vertical in a hurry, 17.3 yards per reception this past season, likes to get vertical, not much of a, uh, a weapon as a blocker, but definitely a guy who's going to shoot down the seam and be a, uh, you know, a mismatch. Um, down the field. Uh, DTR really struggles with his uh, accuracy and, and that arm strength is questionable at times. So he's one of those guys that I think ultimately it would behoove him to start looking at some of those other positions as we start talking about some of the all-star games. Uh, Sean Ryan, the, the offensive tackle there for UCLA, 6'5", 320 pounds. A guy who I think is going to kick inside to guard. And I think he has starter potential there. Extremely powerful hands. The grip strength as well does a really good job locking his man out. The foot speed is questionable at times, but a guy who I think could be a road grader in the running game, and I think a guy who, you know, he has that short area quickness to be really effective as a pass protector as well. Uh, Quantrez Knight, a guy that a lot of people may not know. Um, you know, he started his career at, at Maryland, transferred to Kent State, ended up there for the Bruins, a super senior. This is a guy who's very versatile. You're going to see him play around on the back end, uh, you know, he's a strong safety by trade, um, but what you're going to see is anticipation. He's going to drive, you know, really read the quarterback eyes. You know, uh, you see the, the, the game tape study uh, a lot well as well because you're going to see him read routes. You're going to see him read the quarterback. He's going to make some breaks on the football, make some plays in the passing game. You're also going to see him really drive down the field against the run. A lot of really good recognition uh, in the running game as well. Quantrez Knight, I think, really the, the best player on that defensive side of the football. UCLA run the ball. 
you know, you're going to see a lot of Zach Charbonnet trying to run behind Sean Ryan. Zach Charbonnet transferred from Michigan uh, this past season. Over 1,100 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns, also 24 receptions. Uh, but here's the thing with Zach Charbonnet. This is a dude, um, you see the, uh, you know, the, the contact balance, the physicality that he brings to the game. He's so difficult to bring down once he gets north, north and south. You really want him moving east to west. Uh, so if that 24 is lined up and square to the line of scrimmage, then you're in trouble. You want to start getting him starting to move towards the sideline, and that's really where you're going to be able to, to take advantage against him. I think at the end of the day, the Bruins go down, NC State with the win. Uh, what you got is a guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, Minnesota, offensive lineman, offensive lineman, offensive lineman from Minnesota. Daniel Fa'alele is 6'8", uh, I think 400 pounds. I think he's actually down to 360, 370. Anyway, he's, he's a mammoth dude. Uh, so big. I mean, it's basically Mount Fa'alele. Uh, you got to really catch an Uber to get around this guy. He's so big. Uh, reminds me of guys like uh, like Orlando Brown or Phil Lodeholt. Um, just so big and, and physical, and uh, you know, surprisingly athletic. You know, you're not going to see him run a very fast 40 time at the combine. But neither did Orlando Brown. You see what Orlando Brown is doing now. I think Faalele is such an intriguing prospect. I think he has a chance to come off the board in the second round because of the success of some of those other big uh, offensive tackles. And he has that those movement skills for a guy his size. Um, defensively, Boye Mafi. Keep an eye out for him from Minnesota. Uh, you know, eight tackles for loss, six sacks on the year, 6'4", 258. Uh, a guy who I think ultimately is going to be an outside linebacker in the 34 defense. Let him be that situational pass rusher as he continues to learn more about the game. Uh, but definitely a guy who's one of those raw... Uh, Raw guys with traits that you'd love to start coaching up. Day two pick all day long. They're taking on West Virginia. You're going to see Letty Brown. Um, you know, a lot of doses there of Letty. Not the most explosive guy. You know, doesn't have all that speed. Um, what you're going to see is him getting those extra yards between the tackle, the legs, uh, the, you know, the leg drive, the low pad level. Um, he likes to press that line of scrimmage, and then you're going to see him. Uh, plant and, and make those lateral cuts to bounce it to the outside. So that lateral agility, the, you know, the, the physicality between the tackles, and then he has 36 receptions on the year, uh, 86 in his career. Uh, so definitely a guy who's going to be a weapon in the passing game. Defensively for West uh, West Virginia, Dante Stills. You know, he, he's a lot like his brother Darius. Uh, you know, guy that loves to make plays in the backfield. 42 tackles for loss, 19 sacks in his career, including uh, 13 uh, and six this past season. He's one of those guys who has just a tremendous get off getting into the backfield. Uses those hands well. You know, you'll see him split double teams, get into the backfield in a hurry. Uh, and disrupt runs. Even if he doesn't get to the ball carrier, you're going to see him disrupt and affect a lot of plays. Um, you know, I, I just don't see that uh, West Virginia, um, you know, in this game against Minnesota. I think ultimately Minnesota, the physicality is what's going to end up causing problems there for West Virginia. Moving on to the Pinstripe Bowl, Maryland. You know, Maryland has an offensive tackle, Jalen Duncan. I think he's going to come back for one more year, 6'6", 315. I think it would behoove him to. Um, agile on the outside, active feet, stays low. 
um, but just inconsistent. I think he needs another year to really kind of showcase his ability. Uh, but the guy I'm really interested in watching is the tight end, uh, Chikosium Okonkwo. Uh, he's 6'2", 246 pounds. He's an athletic tight end, runs really well. He's undersized, looks like a beefed up wide receiver. Kind of reminds me of a guy who's going to be more of an H-back, um, but a guy who I think has a role at the next level. Um, they're taking on Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech, if there's any team that's been hit more um, by the opt-out, you know, I haven't found it because Virginia Tech, it seems like the entire roster has ultimately, uh, you know, Mari Barnum, the, the defensive end, Trey Turner, the receiver, Jeremiah Waller, uh, the, the corner, uh, Lasita Smith, the, the guard, all the guys that are going to come off the board in the first four rounds of the draft won't be playing. You're, you're going to see a center in Brock Hoffman who is declaring for the draft. He's 6'3", 3'10", 35 starts, does a really good job climbing to the next level, plays under control, um, stays under his pad level with his feet as well, so you're not going to see him really get off balance. Um, he's one of those guys underrated and really kind of the leader of that offensive line for the Hokies. Defensively, there's a nickel, uh, Shamari Connor, underrated guy, uh, six foot, 225 pounds, very physical. This is a guy, four interceptions, 17 pass breakups in his career. This is a guy who also knows how to get after the quarterback. In 2019, he had 10 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, very versatile defender. This is a guy, excellent range, likes to undercut routes, um, ball skills for days. A guy that you know I, I think is ultimately going to get drafted, and he's the guy on the Hokies that nobody's really talking about. Uh, cheese it bowl, Clemson. You know, it's, Clemson's an interesting, interesting study. You know, it's one of those teams. You know, DJ Uyangalale struggled. And uh, you, know, you have Will Shipley running the football, but you know, with DJ Uyangalale not really throwing the football the way that you would expect, uh, you know, you saw Sean Watson, you saw Trevor Lawrence, uh, and the success that they had and what Dallas Weenie was able to do with that. Defense was still dominant, but DJ needs to get things together if Clemson wants to go ahead and move, uh, move forward. Um, you know, I, I think Justin Ross is out. Joseph Ngata is going to have to have a big game there on the outside. 6'3", 220 pounds, physical receiver on the outside. Uh, defensively, James Skalski, uh, the, the veteran presence there on the at middle linebacker. I think you know he's, he's limited athletically, but I think he definitely has a shot to make rosters at the next level just because of his intelligence, the football savviness, um, you know, the instincts. Andrew Boo. I hope he plays because, you know, at six foot, 200 pounds, he plays like a receiver. He runs the routes often better than the receivers. Uh, you see the ball skills, his, his ability to attack the football in the air. He looks like a receiver attacking the football. Um, he's really spectacular to watch. You know, a guy who he loves to play in off coverage. You're going to see him driving on the football, uh, reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch in, in this game. I think Brock Purdy. Uh, is one of those those quarterbacks that I think he's going to really be able to take advantage of. And if I'm Booth and I'm considering whether or not to play in the bowl game, this could be your lasting impression that you leave out there on the field. And if he can dominate, you know, uh, Xavier Hutchinson, I think you're, we're really going to be talking about Andrew Booth moving up the draft boards as that number two corner. He's got to solidify that status. You know, uh, Sauce Gardner going up against Jamison Williams. This has to, to be a game that Booth plays. I really hope that it is. Um, I, I think Xavier Thomas, uh, 6'2", 276, the defensive end. I think he has to have a big game. He's one of those guys up and down, not always flashing there on tape, 
Um, I think he's one of those guys that really, you really want to see step up and, and make some plays if you're going to see him come off the board any higher than in the fifth round. I think there are some traits there to get excited about, but uh, the lack of productivity kind of turns you off a little bit. Uh, Nolan Turner is really a, an instinctive safety there on the back end, 6'1", 205, seven interceptions, 19 pass breakups in his career, also 190 tackles, 13 and a half going for loss, intelligent, you know, does a really good job on the back end. I think he'll probably be fourth, fifth round range when it's all said and done. Iowa State, Brock Purdy, I mentioned him, over 11,000 yards in his career, 67.9% passer. This is a guy who I think he's limited athletically, doesn't have the biggest arm, questionable decision-making at times, but he's been a leader there for Matt Campbell with Iowa's Iowa State's rise to prominence. I, I think Brock Purdy's a guy who I think has a chance to get drafted late, um, but man, he's got a lot to clean up in his game. Xavier Hutchinson, you know, he's a big receiver. He's 6'2", 208, um, over 900 yards receiving on the year. A guy who just, you put the ball up and you allow him to go up and, and attack the football. Um, one of those guys, you know, the 50-50 balls, more like 70-30, as the same with all these tight ends. You know, that's one of the things that Brock Purdy, you had the luxury of just throwing the ball up and hoping that one of his big receivers would come down with the football. You got the, the Campbell Trophy Award winner, Charlie Kolar, you know, 6'6", 260, played basketball with Trey Young at Norman High School. Um, you know, over 2,100 yards receiving in his career. Uh, you know, a guy who does a really good job running those routes. Only one drop in 2021 as well. 3.98 GPA in mechanical engineering. Definitely an intelligent guy. I think he's one of those better blockers in the tight end group. A guy to me that's probably going to be a third round pick, but a guy I expect to make some plays there at the next level. Uh, Chase Allen, another big tight end, 6'6, 6'7, 250 pounds, uh, known for his blocking prowess. Uh, does, you know, he's very physical there at the point of attack. That's one of the things that's really exciting is, is watching uh, Chase Allen block. Um, but he's flashed some of the, the ability to catch passes, and that's one of the things that uh, you know is so underrated uh, in his game. He'll be a late day three pick, but I think a guy that's going to make some rosters and make some more plays than people are expecting. No Brees Hall. What you do have defensively, Will McDonald the fourth, six six four, two hundred forty five pounds, a guy who has twenty nine sacks in his career. And what's crazy? You look at the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one stats, and they're almost identical. You know, 30, what, 30, 35 and 32 tackles on the year. Both years, 13 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks in 2020, 11 and a half sacks in 2021. Very consistent. A guy who does a great job getting after the quarterback. The speed coming off the edge. You worry a little bit about his play against the run, but if nothing else, he's going to be a situational pass rusher. He's really a lot of fun to watch. You know, I love the, the the explosiveness coming off the ball. Rips through as he's turning the corner. You see those fluid the fluidity in his hips, and a guy who just always seems to show up going after the quarterback. And then Mike Rose, maybe my favorite linebacker. Uh, you know, 6'3", 250 pounds, over 300 tackles in his career. A guy who just takes you to the football. 
know, you watch him against the run. Even if he's not there in the play, he's one of those guys who's affecting the play. He's going to sit there and set the edge and force the run place back to the inside. I think he does a good job getting depth into coverage. You see some fluidity in his hips as well. Uh, I think he's one of the more underrated linebackers in this draft class. I think he plays outside, but I think he'll be inside at, at linebacker there at the next level. And then uh, Yoma Uwazurike. Uh, uh, um, so Enyi is 6'6", 285 pounds, eight and a half sacks on the year. A guy who, uh, a little under undersized, I think he's probably going to be a five technique at the next level, but a guy who's going to get after the quarterback and be that interior pass rusher. Um, I just don't think Iowa State is going to have enough, especially without Brees Hall, to get things done there against Clemson. Alamo Bowl, Oregon, Oklahoma. Battle of the... Uh, what uh, the interim head coaches no Mario Cristobal no Lincoln Riley um, you know what you are going to have is Travis Dye a guy who you know hey no CJ Verdell he goes down to injury over 1100 yards on the year 41 receptions underrated running back a guy who I think is going to be in probably a fourth fifth round pick and actually be a pretty productive running back at the next level uh, Verone McKinley the third on defense the safety Thorpe Award finalist 5'11 194 pounds uh, ball skills for days, 10 interceptions, 10 pass breakups. What you like about him is that not only does he make excellent reads on the football, but takes excellent angles, the ball skills, but he finishes. He's not just the guy who's going to rack up a lot of pass breakups. He knows what to do when he arrives at the football. He's going to make plays on the ball and uh, and come down with the interception. I think Verone McKinley going to be a third-round pick. Uh, he's not quite on the level of Javon Holland, but I think Verone McKinley is going to be starting uh, at some point next season. Um, offensively, you know, the offensive line blocking for Travis Dye. You're going to see Alex Forsyth, a 6'3", 309. Um, you know, he's a retro junior, so he could come back uh, for one more year. This is a guy who I think is a veteran center. Um, you, you see the physicality in his game. Um, a, a guy who I think plays with excellent leverage as well. And then you have uh, Maesela uh, Almave Laulu. Uh, he's 6'6", 315 pounds. He's a junior. Uh, he has declared for the draft, but he is going to play in the bowl. And this is a guy who is just so physical at the point of attack. He's one of those guys who's going to beat you up. He's going to maul you. Um, and, and I think he's going to be one of those road graders. But I think he's somebody who, you know, you look at like Halapuli uh, Bati Vaitai. Um, you know, and, and you look at some of the uh, some of those guys who are, are raw, but the physicality, you know, he may end up kicking inside the guard when it's all said and done, but he's one of those prospects to watch out for there early, you know, on, on day three. Oklahoma, no Perrion Winfrey, no Nick Benito on the defensive side. Offensively, Kennedy Brooks, three-time thousand-yard rusher, sat out last year due to COVID. Not an explosive back by any means, but he's very patient. I think you see some suddenness with his cuts, more of a one-cut-and-go type of a guy. And just a guy who was just very productive there for OU. Very patient when you're running those counters, get behind the guard and tackle. You know, understood the, the, the blocking concepts and being able to cut off those blocks. Best offensive lineman there for Bill Beatenbow, uh, who's staying there on staff for uh, Brent Venables there with the Sooners, is Marquise Haynes. You know, he's 6'5", 324 pounds, uh, decent agility, pulling, getting out as one of those lead blockers there. And pass protection, you like that base, you see the hands. Uh, you know, he's one of one of those guys I think is going to be a, a, a mid to late day three pick. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting about OU, Lincoln Riley loved to use his H-backs, Jeremiah Hall, 
6'2", 235. Keep an eye out for both of them. They're going to line up all over the field. In the backfield, uh, as an H-back, as a tight end, they may even be slotted out. Uh, excellent hands. They do the dirty work as the blockers as well. You're going to see both of them possibly even carry the football a little bit in goal line situations. They're a lot of fun to watch. I mentioned no Benito, no Winfrey, but Isaiah Thomas has a chance to really shine for, for OU. 6'5", 266 pounds, uh, a guy who started to rack up some sacks. That was especially the case uh, when Ronnie Perkins was out last year due to a suspension. Has 16 and a half in his career. A guy who has you know, really a quick get off. You'll see that quick penetration blowing up some run plays as well. But I love the hand usage coming off the edge. He's a guy that that motor always running. Uh, you know the difference between him and Perry on Winfrey. Thomas maybe a little more limited athletically, but that motor just keeps on running. And so he's a lot of fun to watch. Number 95 there for the Sooners. Uh, 12:30, so that's December 30th. Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina. Another quarterback that's going to be you know that's going to be coming out there is Sam Howell. I think he is a first-round quarterback, 6'1", 225 pounds. Now, this is a guy who over 10,000 yards passing, just under 64% completion percentage, 91 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. The biggest thing, this guy can make all the throws. You know, he can throw to the wide side of the field. You know, he, he can throw the ball with touch. You know, he can put the ball, throw his receivers open, fit it into tight windows. He has the arm strength to be able to do that. I think a lot of times he's waiting for the big play, and so that, that gets him into trouble at times. He didn't have his top two running backs and Javante Williams and um, Michael Carter. Also didn't have Deami Brown or Daz Newsom. He did have Josh Downs, who he threw to a lot. But you know what you saw this past season was the ability to pull the football and, and run. You know, but prior to that, this is a guy who, you know, in 2020 only had 146 yards on the ground, 1.6 yards per carry, decides to, to pull the football down and run a little bit more, 825 yards on the ground, 11 touchdowns, showed off some athleticism, the ability to make good decisions, and that's where he was able to cut down on some of the, the, the bad decisions and, and throwing the ball into coverage a little bit, holding on to the football too long. He was able to minimize some of that and I think Sam Howell, at the end of the day, you know, he, he's a quarterback who struggled early on. He's gotten better as the, as the season went on. Uh, Ty Chandler, the running back, same thing with him. Finally got a chance to be in an offense where he can showcase his talent. This is a guy who has some speed on the outside, over 1,000 yards on the year, 13 touchdowns. When you look at what he did in four years at the University of Tennessee, he had just just over 2,000 yards on the ground and 13 touchdowns. He did 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns in one season for the Tar Heels. Um, I think he's a guy who's going to be a day three running back, and, and he shows off some of that versatility, a guy that does have that speed on the outside. Defensively for the Tar Heels, it's going to be Jeremiah uh, Gemmel, 44, 6'1", 225 pounds, one of the more instinctive linebackers you're going to find. You know, A guy who I think times his blitzes really well, shoots down in, uh, shoots gaps, one of those gap defenders that, uh, you know, one of the better that you're going to see in all of college football. South Carolina, you're not going to see Kingsley Enigbari. You know, he, he's a first rounder in my book. A guy who's going to be you know, a physical uh, freak on the outside. Be interested to see how he tests. Um, but South Carolina, they do have Jalen Foster, uh, the safety. 5'10", 195 pounds. He's a little undersized, a former walk-on. 
Um, but you know, has five interceptions on the year to go along with 91 touchdowns. Versatile defender, one of those guys to definitely keep an eye out for. Um, Music City Bowl, Tennessee. Hendon Hooker, quarterback there, a guy who look he transferred from Virginia Tech, shows off in in Josh Heupel's system his ability to cut down on mistakes. I think he only had three interceptions. Uh, versus 24 touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, and a guy who you know just has surprised a lot of people with his abilities. Um, you know, limited a little bit with his arm strength, but definitely a guy who's athletic, a guy who does a great job manipulating the pocket. Ran Josh Heifel's offense very well. Defensively, you're going to see a physical corner in Alante Taylor, six foot, 192. I think he's a, a guy who was poised for a big game here for Tennessee, taking on Purdue. Um, Aiden McConnell's not going to have uh, you know, David Bell to throw to, but I think you're going to see um, at, at the same time a lot of passes down the football field, so it'll give him a lot of time to, uh, to make some plays on the football. No George Karloff is on defense either, but you're going to see Jalen Alexander. He's 6'239 pounds, 94 tackles on the year, uh, a guy 8.5 tackles for loss. Um, you know, a, a guy who I think also showed his ability you know, in that Iowa game, especially to show off his cover ability, uh, cover skills, took on the tight end, Sam Laporta, uh, on an out route, able to chase him down, trip him up for only a four-yard game. So that ability to get to the outside and, uh, and make some plays on the perimeter. Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin. Obviously, Braylon Allen is, is the talk there uh, at the running back position for uh, the Badgers, but the tight end Jake Ferguson, who I swear has been there for a decade, uh, 6'4", 244 pounds, over uh, 15 yard, 100 yards in the in the passing game. This is a guy who I think is is underrated as a as a pass catcher. You know, a guy you see him a lot on the deep crossing routes, being able to get vertical and uh, up seams as well, and the athleticism and his ability to contort his body and make some catches. And then Wisconsin. You know that you're going to have physical blockers there as well. He's a physical guy. Uh, I think he's a lot of fun to watch. He'll be someone to keep an eye out for. Logan Bruss uh, is going to be a guard at the next level, 6'5", 315. Physical there, physical presence up front. Uh, defensively, Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel are really the guys to keep an eye out for. Jack Sanborn, five, one, uh, I'm sorry, 6'1", 236 pounds, over 200 tackles in his career. 27 and a half goals for loss, 10 sacks, four interceptions. A guy who is is very versatile. You're going to see him making plays all over the football field. Same goes for Leo Chanel, but this is a guy who I think is more of your pass rusher. You're going to see seven sacks from him, 17 tackles for loss. He's 6'2", 261. He's a big dude. And uh, you know what I was really impressed with was his ability to uh, drop into coverage. I saw it against Notre Dame. Um, did a really good job reading the quarterback's eyes as well. Underrated linebacker, a guy who started to rise up my draft board, and uh, you know if you can have a big game there against Arizona State and Jaden Daniels, I think you're going to see him continue to move up draft boards there. Uh, Keanu Benton, the nose tackle, also an interesting dude, 6'4", 317, big, athletic, explosive power in his hands. He'll be somebody to keep an eye out for as well. For the Sun Devils, they're missing a lot of guys as well. Unfortunately, um, you know, you're going to be without Rashad White, the running back. Darian Butler, the linebacker, Luke, uh, Chase Lucas, and Jack Jones, both corners, are going to be out. But they do have Kellen Deesh, the left tackle, 6'7", 292. Um, I think he's limited in terms of some of his length, even though he is 6'7". 
Um, you know, and I, I love him in, in the passing game as a pass protector. He sits down really well. I think he lacks some of that physicality in the running game. That's really going to be his issue. Uh, the opposite goes for, for Donovan West. You know, 6'4", 300, a, a guy who I think can be uh, played with excellent leverage there at, at the center position. I think he struggles a little bit, limited with some of that athleticism, though. Um, but those will be two guys to keep an eye out for. I think at the end of the day, Wisconsin is just going to have too much offensively for them. New Year's Eve, you got the Gator Bowl, Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons, and the year that they had. Um, you know, I'll tell you, you know, Zach Tom is an interesting prospect. He's 6'4", 290 pounds. The junior, uh, he probably comes back, but this is a dude who just always seems to win with leverage off the snap. You know, very poised, you know, as an offensive tackle, very patient, um, plays with excellent leverage. You know, he sits upright and he gets so low um, and he, he is a little undersized. I think he'll ultimately be a center at the next level, possibly a guard, but I think center is probably his home. But a guy who just moves really well, very fluid as a, as a blocker. And so he's a lot of fun uh, to watch for sure. Um, Wake Forest is going to be taking on Rutgers now. So with Rutgers, um, I think what you have there is Isaiah Pacheco, the running back. Um, he's the guy that's going to be entering the draft, 5'11", 215 pounds, um, you know, over 2,400 yards on the ground, some good lateral cuts, um, not a ton of wiggle in the open field, though. Um, he'll probably be the, you know, the, the focal point there for, for Rutgers running the football. And then I mentioned in the Sun Bowl, you've got uh, Miami out, Central Michigan in. Central Michigan, you're going to be talking about Bernard Raymond, offensive tackle, um, you know, the, he's from Austria, you know, and he has uh, you know, soccer and squash to his background. So you see the footwork. This is a guy who's converted tight end as well. He's new to the game, but you see the, the you know the, the technical ability. He's a technician. He studied the game. You see the footwork. You see the athleticism. You also see the power in his upper body. He's very physical at the point of attack. You know, a guy who just doesn't miss a ton of assignments. He's a guy to me that I think is going to rise up draft boards. I think he'll end up being a first-round pick when it's all said and done. Uh, for uh, Washington State, Abraham Lucas on the other side, 6'7", 319. He's a guy, look, you know, he took on Kayvon Thibodeau. He won a lot of those reps, um, you know, really light on his feet with his kick slide. And then when Thibodeau would try to, to get into his body, um, you know, as he was retreating, he'd get too, a little bit too far over his toes. And then ultimately, Thibodeau was able to shove him down into the ground. Um, that's really one of the things that uh, Lucas needs to watch out for. He's so big and so tall that uh, he'll get the pad level will rise. He'll get too far over his toes, and then he ends up, you know, losing and losing his balance. And uh, you know, the, the defensive ends can get into his into his body. Jahad Woods is a linebacker that I think at the end of the day may not get drafted but i think he's going to find his way onto a roster 6'1 225 13 is all over the field this is a dude who had 141 tackles in 2019 419 in his career 36 tackles for loss eight and a half sacks five interceptions eight pass breakups eight forced fumbles in his career he's a guy you know one of the better and more productive linebackers that nobody's talking about could find his way into day three, um, but even if he doesn't, I think he ends up making a roster, be a special teams ace, and a guy who's going to eventually find his way onto the football field. And then I mentioned, you know, Travell Harris, uh, the receiver, uh, you know, 5'8", 185 pounds, but he's explosive, vertical threat, guy to me that could end up being eh, your fifth, sixth round pick when it's all said and done. 
Let's see. Um, on New Year's Day, we also have the Outback Bowl. No Jahan Dotson, no Brandon Smith, no Ellis Brooks. Uh, so a lot of guys you're going to be missing out on, as well as Jaquan Brisker. Uh, Rasheed Walker, the, the left tackle, he's going to be out as well. That's due to injury. Uh, but you are going to see Tarek Castro-Fields. He's really going to be the showcase, I think, defensively for the Nittany Lions. Six foot, 197 pounds. Um, this is a guy who, uh, you know, I think he does a good job staying square off the line of scrimmage. Doesn't really bite on, on any of those moves. Um, but what you are going to see is you're going to see some of the, that, the hands um, right there at the at the top of some of the routes. But he never really impedes the receiver. And that's one of the things I think he, he's, he's really smart about that. Um, you know, in off coverage, you're going to see him. Um, throw right in front of him. He may allow some of those throws. He'll, he'll line up right at the sticks, and then he'll drive on the football and make sure that he's wrapping up, not making, uh, not allowing any yards after contact. Um, against Auburn, bail technique, inside leverage, deep ball to, to Sheldrick Jackson. Um, got his head around, tracked the ball very well, over the top of the receiver, had position. Receiver couldn't even make a play on the football. The positioning of the body is something that you definitely like out of Castro Fields. He'll be a mid-day three pick when it's all said and done. Um, Arnold Ebiketti, I also believe, is not going to be playing in the game. Um, so you wanted to see some of that pass rush ability. The same with uh, with Arkansas. You're not going to see Traylon Burks, the, the receiver, who I think has a chance to be a top 20, top 25 pick. No Trey Williams. Uh, you know, will have to answer to the arrest, the recent arrest that he had. Um, I believe it was a, a DWI. Uh, what we do have with Arkansas is uh, Ricky Stromberg, the center. Um, this is a guy who I, I think coming into the season had a, a much better, much better tape this year. I think he struggled at times. Um, he's only a junior. I think it would be best for him to come back to Fayetteville for one more season. Really what you're going to see is Arkansas defensively, those linebackers. Grant Morgan, 5'11", 229. Bumper Pool, 6'2", 226. Both of these guys, over 300 tackles. They make plays all over the line of scrimmage. You know, Pool with 16 pass breakups. Morgan with 11 in his career. These are dudes who just, they rack up tackles. Pool, back-to-back 100 -back tackle seasons. Morgan, four tackles shy of back-to-back 100 -back tackle seasons. Had 96 this past year. These are guys, they just fly around. You know, they, they make plays all over the field. And um, they're guys who I, I wouldn't count out in making a, a roster. They're not going to test, you know, very you know, very well. I think they're limited athletically. But the instincts, the football minds that they have, you know, they just they take them to the football and uh, you know, they read, they react, they trust their eyes, and uh, I, I think they'll end up finding an NFL roster. And I won't be surprised if you see them starting in a couple of games when it's all said and done. Citrus Bowl, Iowa. Tyler Linderbaum. He's the, the Remington Award winner, the Remington Trophy winner, Outland Trophy finalist. This dude um, said absolutely. There's no way I'm not. I'm, I'm, not playing in the bowl game. He's 6'3", 290 pounds. The guy who has a chance to be a top top 20 pick and said absolutely I'm playing in this game. Big 10 Offensive Lineman of the Year. He converted from defense to center three years ago. And this year, you know, just absolutely you know, polished his game. He's so low firing out of his stance. Excellent punch in his hands. The grip strength to maintain his blocks. To see the athleticism. 
Um, what you just love is, is his ability to generate movement in the running game, the athleticism to be, get out and pull, um, his ability to climb to the next level. He can get nasty and drive you into the ground. He's also a wrestler. And the guy, I think, you use that wrestling skills, that, that low center of gravity, understanding how to, you know, the positioning and leverage, especially. In 2017, in high school, he took on Tristan Wirfs, uh, the offensive tackle who was the number 14 overall pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, got, uh, was able to ultimately take take him uh, take him down and, and get a, a pin on him. Um, said that that worse, you know, got him, the, you know, the first two times, but then he was able to end up taking him down as well. Um, so, you know, at the center position, you know, you, you've got a guy who you know is going to be a, you know, a, a stalwart there on your your offense for a good decade. If you pick up Tyler Linderbaum, he's going to be the, the quarterback of that offensive line as well. Uh, you know, the, the linebackers, you're going to see the linebackers come back for all juniors. Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, Dane Belton, all guys that will be drafted in next year's draft. This year, you're talking about the corner. Matt Hankins is injured. He won't be playing. But a guy who has excellent ball skills, as is Riley Moss. He's 6'1", 194. Uh, limited a little bit athletically, but definitely does a great job. You know, instinctive, drives well on the football. 10 interceptions, 15 pass breakups in his career. Had two uh, interceptions return for touchdown in the same game. Um, you know, a lot of fun to watch there on the outside there for Iowa. They'll take on K- uh, Kentucky. Will Levis, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for uh, Riley Moss to make plays on the football. You got Chris Rodriguez, a junior running back, a guy who may end up entering the draft. 5'11", 225, excellent lateral cuts to get to the perimeter. Props his pad to finish. Um, this is a guy over 2,600 yards and 26 touchdowns in his career. Went over 1,200 yards this past season. Very physical running back. Um, and then he'll be running a bit against or behind the line. You have Darian Kennard, 6'5", 342. Reminds me a lot of Cody Ford. You know, second round pick there going to the Bills. And a guy who I think, you know, even though he plays tackle, right tackle there for Kentucky, he's going to kick inside the guard. And he's a guy who I think has Pro Bowl potential um, because of his physicality, because of his athleticism, uh, his ability to climb to the next level. Uh, a guy who plays with a little bit of a mean streak as well. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter who he was going up against, you know, whether you know, he'd see some of the burst uh, that some of the defensive tackles would have, but he was one of those guys that was able to recover and, and get his hands and be able to re-anchor. Uh, Darian Kennard's really a lot of fun to watch. He'll be one of those guys to keep an eye out for, for sure. And then on the defensive side of the football, Josh Pascal. 6'2", 270 pounds, wears number four. The single digit guys, you have to keep an eye out for up front. 35 and a half tackles for loss, including 15 and a half this past season. He's just a dude who you know, understands, reads the uh, reads the run plays really well, and works outside of the tackles, uses his hands, gets into the chest of the tackle. You see a lot of push pulls out of him as well to then make plays in uh, getting into the backfield. Uh, you see excellent change of direction. Um, but what I really love is he charges into those offensive linemen, gets into their into their bodies, gets them off, off balance, then is able to to shed those blocks and make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Josh Pascal is an underrated defensive end and a guy who I think is going to wreak some havoc in, in opposing backfields at the next level. And then finally, on January 4th, Texas Bowl, LSU. No uh, Damone Clark. We know that Derek Stingley is already out for the year. Uh, Eli Ricks has transferred. Kayvon, uh, Kayshawn Boutte, the, the talented receiver, only a sophomore. He's not playing either. 
Uh, but I think up front, offensively, you're going to see Ed Ingram. He's a physical offensive lineman, 6'3", 310 pounds, excellent power in his hands. Uh, you know, limited you know, laterally in the passing game. Um, but, you know, definitely a guy who's going to showcase some power. Uh, the running back, you know, Tyrion Davis-Price, 6'1", 223 pounds, only a junior, probably coming back for one more year. Went over 1,000 yards this past season. Very physical runner. Guy who's going to look for contact, strong legs, running through tackles. Uh, Austin Deculus, the right tackle, 6'5", 326 pounds. I think he kicks inside to guard at the next level, but I think he's a guy that can end up working into a rotation at the next level. And then for K-State, you know, um, I think if there is a senior that's going to get drafted, potentially it's going to be Russ, we uh, Russ Yeast, the safety, 5'10", 186 pounds. Um, three interceptions, 10 pass breakups, the transfer from uh, Louisville, the grad transfer, uh, very instinctive safety. He's one of those guys, I think if there is going to be a guy defensively in this year's draft class, he might be the one to get drafted. And then, uh, you know, the, the future is bright, though, because you're looking at, obviously, you have Khalid Duke, who's going to be back, uh, but Felix and Adike Uzoma. He's only a sophomore. He's 6'3", 262 pounds, 50 tackles, 11 sacks, 6 forced fumbles. He'll be a guy that we'll be talking about in next year's draft class. He'll be a guy to definitely watch out for, number 91. If you haven't seen him play yet, definitely tune in and watch. So we've gone through all of the bowl games. About what? A little over 90 minutes. A lot to cover. A lot to enjoy over the next few weeks. Obviously, it's going to culminate with that college football championship game. Bama versus Cincinnati. Michigan versus Georgia. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Cincinnati wins it all. Why? I think you know you've got the versatility there. I think you've got the physicality up front, uh, defensively. I, I think you have some explosive playmakers there. Um, and then on the back end, you know you've got a lot of intelligent players. You've got the playmakers um, at corner, and you've got Brian Cook at safety. And then offensively, you've got Desmond Ritter, the veteran there, presence at quarterback. You've got running back and, and Jerome Ford running behind a physical offensive line. And then you've got playmakers in the passing game. Trey Tucker, a guy that I didn't mention there in the receiving core, a guy that we'll be talking about uh, in next year's draft for sure. Um, you know, I, I think what you're going to see is is their ability to make just enough plays there uh, against Bama. I think you know having John Mechie go down to injury is really going to mess things up with Bama. Um, I think they're going to be doing a lot of uh, stu studying game film and trying to come up with ways to exploit Cincinnati defensively. I just think Cincinnati's defense is so good um, that they're going to cause problems there for both uh, Michigan and Alabama. Cincinnati walks away with the national title. Now watch. We're going to get to, to these bowl games, and it's going to be Bama against Georgia yet again. We'll be talking about Bryce Young's performance when it's all said and done. Um, but I just, there's something about that Cincinnati team that I think is really special. Like what Luke Fickle's done there it is, you know, he deserves National Coach of the Year honors. And, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna ride with, with Cincinnati. I may end up dying with Cincinnati, but that, that's okay. Um, so we'll tune in after the bowl season. We'll kind of recap some of the bowl games, what I got to see, uh, some of the guys that stood out for me, some of the guys that kind of were flying under radars. Obviously, with a lot of the opt-outs, we're going to see some other guys step up and, and some guys to showcase. 
And then we'll get into the pre-draft process. After that, we'll have the all-star games that we'll be talking about. Then we'll get into the combine and all of the workouts, a lot of the game study, game film, and we'll start breaking down position by position uh, really what uh, what the draft's starting to look like. And then we'll start getting into the mock drafts. And my first mock draft, usually end of January, so we'll start looking for that as well. So until next time, everyone, enjoy the bowl season. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. I hope everyone had a great Christmas. And for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Until next time, I am out of here.